I have with me here in the studio a very interesting man. He's got a a fascinating story. His name is uh, Mellon Thomas Benedict, and uh, he is an individual who, in 1981, was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. In 1982, Mellon Thomas actually died of malignant brain cancer. And uh, it's a very interesting story. We're going to have him uh, share some of those details with us. But what happened was um, uh, an amazing journey followed on from that. And um, he returned to tell about it. And for the last 25 years, he spent uh, kind of getting his bearings um, and then returning to full, vibrant health and doing an amazing amount of work, some of which he refers to as planet work. And we're going to hear all about that. Um, because that has to do with not only his own life and thriving, but also the, the life and thriving of the whole world. Mellon, it's a, just a sheer pleasure to talk with you and see you in the flesh and to have the opportunity to, to bring you here and have you talk on KKUP. Welcome to KKUP. Thanks for having me. You know, I listen to the station a lot. Yeah, well, I, I he- actually heard about you from a couple friends of mine years ago, and um, it sounds a little irreverent, but they, they actually referred to you, it, they were amazed with your story, but they referred to you as the dead guy. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an astounding story, um, but one that, that really has an amazing, um, it makes an amazing amount of sense when we hear the account of what you have to say uh, about your journey. So I wonder if you'd like, uh, start at any point you like, maybe tell us a little bit about, about what happened to you and uh, the the, the, the experience and the transformation that you went through as part of your uh, learning about your illness and then dying. Okay. Um, in uh, 1981, I was diagnosed with an inoperable uh, uh, and incurable brain tumor and was given about six to eight months to live. Um, up until that time, I had not led a very spiritual life uh, at all. I wasn't even interested. Uh, I wasn't even an atheist. At least an atheist shows some sort of interest in these things. So um, uh, I was very well, uh, very unprepared uh, in the deep parts of me for being told that I was terminal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it made me very angry. I became very angry with the universe uh, in general, the whole world per se. Um, but uh, I did end up in a private hospice situation, uh, withered away. And uh, one morning, um, I do believe I died. I, I went to the light and uh, I had a living will. Uh, at the time because I did not want to be resuscitated when the time came. I didn't want to be put on machines. So I had a living will, and the hospice caretaker w- had an amplified stethoscope and some other monitoring equipment to monitor uh, vital signs. So um, normally they, they didn't even wake me up until around 10 in the morning because I was so weak. And I believe um, I went to the light around 5.30 in the morning because mm-hmm. uh, I, I was suddenly woken by a bright light and I thought it was a sunrise. Mm. And uh, they came in around 10 to check on me, and they said, uh, we, you look dead at that moment. But they, they did monitor my vital signs for an hour and a half, uh, as per our agreement. And uh, they, uh, they were convinced that, you know, this guy is dead, and they should start making arrangements. And uh, shortly thereafter, they, uh, they heard a sound in my room and found me uh, lying on the floor, uh, whispering. And uh, my uh, caretaker put her uh, ear to my lips, and she said, uh, all I was saying was, I love my life. I love my life. And that's the greatest thing I learned on the other side, was how to accept my life and to uh, come back into this world and love this life, no matter what 
you see around you, no matter what the media tells you, this is a fantastic world and a realm to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things um, I, I've heard you say, I've, I've had the good fortune to hear some of your interviews uh, lately, the wonderful one on Coast to Coast, and then Joyce Keller mm-hmm. uh, did two interviews with you, and, and it's wonderful you have those posted on, the first one at least is right now posted on your website. Uh, let's tell everybody really quickly. It's uh, Melon Hyphen Thomas. It's Melon uh, M E L L E N. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been called Honeydew a few times, but I'm not <laughs> of that family. So it's Melon M E L L E N dash Thomas dot com. Well, one of the things I heard you say, um, I, I think it was with Joyce Keller, uh, really marvelous interview. Um, I think I heard you say something like you would consider it a great joy. Just to be like an atom in this universe, uh, after the experience that you went through and the and the transformation that you went through, um, so that seems like a, a really interesting point to to dive into because um, the, the experience you had was absolutely profound and it, and it left you with an amazing perspective. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what happened in those in those. Uh, uh, intervening minutes uh, and, and experiences that happened from the time you saw the light first and when you came back? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, it took a while to get to the light because uh, I was, in, I was uh, encompassed by a lot of darkness, and I had a life review begin immediately, and it was like all around me, 360 degrees, and it began with the moment of my death and went all the way back into prenatal. Mm. And I got to see my whole life, as many near-deathers can explain, but I got to see my whole life from not only my perspective, but from everyone else's perspective, which is fascinating how we're all that connected. Mm -hmm. And I saw how many times that um, uh, people had tried to help me and I wouldn't take the help, or people had loved me and I didn't know what love was because of my life. And all the times I'd not been accepting of all the goodness in this world. In mm-hmm. fact, I had a very bad attitude about this world when I died. I really believed humans were a cancer on the planet and were going to uh, wipe out the planet either with nuclear weapons or overgrazing uh, in my lifetime. And guess what? I, I began thinking humans were a cancer, and I got brain cancer. Mm-hmm. So that was a revelation that I didn't understand until my life review. But um, uh, So I had a very bad attitude about a lot of things, really. Um, a negative attitude, I should say, about the future of the world and the nature of humanity. And um, oddly enough, uh, when I did, when my life review did end and I was heading towards the light, and there's a lot of details in between that you can read on the, on the website, but when I got to the light, I was shocked by the light and the feeling of the light. And like I guess any good atheist or non-believer, I said, oh, my God, <laughs> are you God? <laughs> it really, really was quite amazing uh, experience. And... Um, the uh, the one thing that happened uh, in my experience has been documented by uh, P- PMH Atwater and Ken Ring and other writers is that I'm the first known near-deather to actually stop the event and become interactive with it. Wow. And I can't tell you, uh, it was no thought process, it just it came to me that th- this is just as interactive as life. And so I asked the light, can I just stay here for a while and ask questions? And the light said, no problem. So I asked, uh, I asked every question I could possibly ask and got the answers to my satisfaction. Now, that doesn't mean I know everything by any means, because I think each and every one of us carry a different set of questions for the universe, which, yeah. is, which is brilliant. Yeah. But um, one of my questions was, uh, why is humanity so dark and doomed? Why is there no future for humanity? And uh, um, at that moment, 
the light turned into a mandala. And each phase of the mandala was a human soul. And I was taken into that. And I was allowed to look into every human soul, it seemed like. And to my astonishment, I could not find darkness or evil. It did not exist there hmm. in, the, in the pure human soul. Hmm. And that's something that no one can ever take away from you, and it's something you can't possibly mess up. It's amazing. And so at that moment, I fell in love with humanity. It was an amazing experience to fall back in love with humanity. I'd never loved this world before that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and you had... Um, 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 let's see, I, I, I had a, a question that just popped in my mind. You also had an experience of what we would refer to as past experiences, past lives when you were in there as well. You had a, would you say that you had a, a glimpse of that or a really full uh, recollection of, of other experiences besides this life? Well, uh, before, I, before I had my near-death experience, um, I didn't, I'd really never really heard the word metaphysics. I'd never heard the word NDE. I'd never heard the word hospice before <laughs> I ended up in the situation. I wasn't, I wasn't interested, frankly. Um, so um, uh, repeat that question one more time because I could get a little spacey at Yeah, that's sometimes. fine. I, I, I'm, I'm, I remember you recounting that you saw other oh, reincarnation. other reincarnation. Yeah, other yeah. lives. Because I start tripping out on this, so it's good to so keep sorry. me focused. Yeah. Um, one thing did come up, though. I did ask about reincarnation um, because uh, in my hospice situation, there was one book there on world religions, and I sort of looked through it while I was there. And I, I didn't think it made any sense at all. But I did ask that question. I said, is reincarnation for real? And the light uh, said, yes, more than you imagine. And isn't it interesting that uh, almost everyone on earth in some way or another believes, believes in some form of reincarnation. That so there must be something to it. So, yeah. so I asked, what I kept asking the light was, every, uh, because we're very, humans are very metaphorical beings. We live in our metaphors more than we live in actual reality. We live in what we perceive we, we think the world is. So I, I was suddenly aware of this, and I kept asking the light to pull the veil. Let me see what this metaphor means. Let me see what that metaphor means. And I said, really explain to me what reincarnation really is then. And I was at that time shown that, uh, and forgive me for saying this, but the spiritual explanations of uh, reincarnation are rather flimsy. They're, okay. they're philosophical, basically. But I was shown by the light that the physics the actual physics of reincarnation, and it is more real than you even imagine. It's more real than the, uh, than the best uh, metaphysical explanation of it, actually. And I was shown the mechanics of reincarnation, how it works on, on several redundant levels. It's not just, we just don't reincarnate in one form. We have many forms that we re- reincarnate in. Is it, is it uh, possible, then, that um, we also have the, the uh, different manifestations of the same experience, same soul, maybe, at, uh, on the earth at, at uh, the same time? Is that, does that occur? Did, did you perceive anything like that? Yes, it's, it's very true. We're all the same being, ah. and we're about to wake up to this. In fact, uh, w- w- one of the biggest things I learned on the other side was the, Gai- was the Gaia concept, the G-A-I-A. The the, uni- the universe and the and the solar system and the planet as a living system. Yes, it's all we're all a part of this living system. So, every human on the planet is a part of a larger living, incredible system. Uh, it's a life form that's beyond a lot of people's imagination at this point. But you just have to like be the flea that jumps off the elephant and looks back and see you're on a you're on a you were you were part of a living life form, and in that every human is connected directly to every other human and every plant and insect and piece of bacteria on this planet. Mm. And the human DNA is the top line of the DNA right now in this system. Mm. So we have all humans living today 
or who ever have lived, have lived through every bit of evolution that's ever been. We started at the beginning and we're here now. And to, uh, to uh, be the human part of this experience is a blessing beyond anyone's imagination. In fact, um, uh, if you saw what I saw, uh, I know there are many, many souls that would trade you the worst day of your life for anything they had, because even the worst day of your life is full of potential. Hmm. When, in what you perceived, did it appear as though um, um, human life was completely interwoven and I- interchangeable? Like, uh, for instance, like if if uh, if I come back in my next life, is it likely I, I might come back as a rock or a dog, or is is humanity as a whole something kind of peculiar within the whole Gaia? Uh, the energy of, of the whole planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I saw, the, from what I saw, was it's it's very difficult to go back because uh, the universe wants to go on oh, forward. Okay. I believe there probably have been metaphysicians, shamans that could do things like it. It's probably technically possible, but but for the most part, the uh, first part of reincarnation is biological reincarnation. It supersedes everything. It keeps everything moving. And once you've made it to a human. You've made it into what's called a discrete form of consciousness because we're the we're the only ones that really name each other. In fact, we name everything. Hmm. So once you once you've worked your way up to the human form, you're entering into an individual identity in the whole, which is amazing because everything everything else around us are group souls. And when you uh, and the human the humans are part of the group soul, but we have an individual identity, which is an incredible blessing hmm. once you, once you get a grip on it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've heard it said, too, that that, uh, human souls are something like a a seed of God, that eventually we become uh, even more than our our individual selves. We have the potential to become God or become a companion of of the Creator. What uh, what would you reflect from your experience that has to do with that fuller potential that we might grow into? I think we're already there. It's just a matter of realizing it. Because when I asked the light, um, are you God, the answer I got was, who or what is not God already. Uh-huh. And and when I got the pictures in my head, it meant that if I were going to answer that question for you, I would have to name every single thing in the universe, and that would be a very long conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is fascinating um, what you say about um, the observation that uh, other other species are kind of like a group energy or group soul, and that uh, so they're much more a, a manifestation of that that in group consciousness, and you can see that it seems like more with uh, uh, with insects. I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of also of fish. You know mm-hmm. the way they they mm-hmm. you know they live and, and travel trees. together. Trees as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, th- that's that's fascinating. I'm, I'm curious um, what you might have perceived of of life forms that seem to be much uh, much more ancient than than humans. For instance, stars. I mean, th- to me, in some of my experiences, they're they're living conscious beings. Stars. Mm-hmm. Did you see anything or perceive anything of of the life of the greater cosmos, uh, maybe like stars? What what did they seem like? Yes, I I, I asked a lot about that sort of thing because I'm I'm more that oriented than philosophical, mm. and um, I was. I was shown that you know the the, the period uh, that's called the star period, when the first stars evolved, has is not that old in the universe. Uh, most of the universe is pre-star time from the Big Bang, so oh. there was an awful lot of there was a tremendous amount of time before there was even light. Hmm. But, and and then the first stars was the first light in the universe. Mm-hmm. And stars are incredible. Um, you can call them beings, life forms, solar structures, whatever you want to call them. 
but they are regenerative. They die and they're reborn, and in fact, they keep creating more and more of the universe. And it's a, it's an incredible life form to understand. But from the Gaia point of view, uh, you have to understand that uh, there there's also no judgment there. So one star may eat another star, and one galaxy may collide into another galaxy. This happens all the time. In fact, there's no good or evil in that. It is uh, it is a, a universal process that keeps everything enriched. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I saw that there there must be room in the universe for free radical activity and for uh, <laughs> accidents. Some people say there are no accidents, but that's a trick of the mind. The human mind, as I was shown, is a a, a very reflective um, part of our being that's usually right now caught up in hindsight. It, it can make any it can make sense of anything, and that can be a trick. Yeah. I, uh, in my book that I'm writing, I call it the Rorschach universe. You mm. know, the Rorschach inkblots like where, yeah. where anybody, everybody can look at them and see something different. Well, yes. that's, that's, that's the same thing about looking out at the universe. Mm. And our mind will try to make sense of anything, whether it makes sense or not. And so you've kind of got to be aware of that. I, I'm reflecting also on something that you mentioned that's related, um, that you recognized uh, that we're part of not only the life of the Earth, but also the life of our star. It's kind of like, I forget exactly how you, you refer to it, the, the, the Earth solar matrix our, or something Our uh, like solar that. system is our local uh, cosmic body. If you want to see what you really look like, t- look at one of those pictures of the entire solar system. Yes. Because that's your, that's your local cosmic body, and it's all interactive. <laughs> And then you also recognize, and it's interesting, I, I'm really blown away by um, the Mayan, um, ancient Mayan perspective, which tells us that we are part of the life, the life of this world is part of the life also of, of the galaxy, mm-hmm. and that it's all connected. And when we stand back and look at that, you know, as much as we can see that it's a, that it's a whole, and that even the energetic structure of our world and our sun and the galaxy all have a semblance, and our own energetic structure, as much as we understand it, again, like you just said, Bears a resemblance that there's 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 there's, there's um, the word that I've heard used for it is a holon or, or you could just like the Greek word atomos. It's like a, a a unit. There's a unit, a cohesive unit, and that structure exists at our own energetic body and the the planet and then the galaxy mm. or the solar solar system first and then the galaxy. So I'm wondering uh, what you saw as well about how the whole thing hangs together, just maybe at the level of the solar system and then the galaxy. There's a relationship there I'm imagining you perceive. Yes, what's interesting is is that uh, humans in our particular uh, form of life are midpoints. We're in the middle of all this. And it's like if you look out at the universe, every atom is, in fact, the center of the universe. Every galaxy you look at you s- from Earth, you seem to be the center of the universe. So everything is, is connected in that very, very deeply. And uh, when I was on the other side, um, I was told, this is when I knew I'd be coming back, I was told to uh, look up Baxter was the name I got, Baxter. And uh, about two or three years after my near-death experience, I ran into a man named Cleve Baxter, oh. the man who discovered plants have feelings in the 60s. I was just absolutely fascinated <laughs> by what he has had to say. I, go ahead, please tell me. I was told more. on the other side to look him up because he had made one of the most important discoveries of all human history. In, in surpassing Newton in many cases. Uh, and his discovery is what he calls primary perception. Yeah. And he has done elegant experiments his entire life, and he lives in San Diego to this day. Elegant experiments showing and explaining the holographic universe, how everything in the universe, everything from the smallest atom to the largest structure, including us, is connected intimately and can communicate with without a time lag. And he's the first to he's one of the first to really postulate and prove 
there are realms beyond the speed of light. In fact, the speed of light is too slow to do most anything, especially explore the universe. Mm. You'll never get there at the speed of light. Yeah. But he is, he is uh, another book written about him was The Secret Life of Your Cells, which is fascinating. And now, he, now he's finally put out his own book, which is called Primary Perception. Okay. And his website's primaryperception.com. Yes. But I, w- once you understand primary perception, you, under, you begin to understand super strings. You begin to understand so many things, the holographic universe, how shamans are actually, re- it's for real. You can talk to plants. You can even talk to stones. There's information even in the smallest grain of sand that is connected to the rest of the universe. And it's beyond the speed of light. It's instantaneous. Yeah. No time lag. Well, it, it seems uh, I, the, the shamanic perspective is one that I, I resonate with really strongly. And uh, so when I've, when I've heard you talking about some of this, it really struck me very much about, uh, about a connection and a communication that, that, that went on throughout your experience. And it, I perceive that that goes on even still, that that continued on, because you were saying um, that uh, you would have regular visitations with the light uh, ever since, uh, ever since this, this near-death experience. Um, so I'd like to go back to that in, in a minute. You were just saying that the, the human experience, the, the place of the human, is kind of like in between. And I've also heard you say, um, like between the earth and, and the whole cosmos. Um, uh, I, and uh, I, there's another thing that I've heard you say that, um, oh, it escapes me right now, but that, oh, that we have, we have this marvelous rare ability to reflect on the whole thing, to, to see it and not only to name it, but to understand relationships within it. It seems to me that uh, in that sense, uh, that, that, that shamanic um, uh, quality is in our very nature. Uh, because it's, it, we're always seeing and, and connecting relationships. And, of course, you know, if we can see it more clearly, then we can work with it more effectively and have, imagine, a much happier and more peaceful existence. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about about that the uniqueness or the importance of our ability to reflect and see how it all hangs together. Well, it's, it's not the most important thing in the universe, um, but it is certainly um, a very incredible form of consciousness to be able to have a sense of the past, the present, and the future, to be able to uh, build uh, these giant eyes that look out in the sky and, and look at stars and then read what the stars made of and then finally figure out that's what made us. We're mm. nothing but stardust. Mm. Um, it's an incredible life form to be a part of, yet it's still only a midpoint in all the lives and all of our future and all of our past. Group souls uh, really live in the now. They're always mostly living in the now. Uh, there are a few mammals like whales, dolphins, that may have a little more, a little more reflection, a little more sense of history, but not like we do. Um, but what's interesting is that they're already there because once you really get it, there is only now. You will always be in the now. Um, uh, there may never have been a future. There, hmm. there may be no. Uh, there may be no past. And in, in other words, once your consciousness expands, the now encompasses the past, the present, and the future simultaneously, which is really what's going on anyway. Mm-hmm. It's all going on simultaneously, and you will always be in the now forever. Hmm. It's just mm-hmm. becoming aware of it. Yeah, one of the things that I, I uh, am curious about, as well connected with this, is that. Uh, when we're when we're in that stage of the now, that experience of the now, and for, particularly like when uh, you went left your body and went with the light, um, you had this sense that uh, there was a, a place that you would go next, uh, like you know next life or next experience, and then you came back. 
So it's strange because um, there is this uh, this now that kind of the way it, it strikes me is that uh, that's kind of like a big bubble and every particular place that we could be is within it. You know, every here, mm-hmm. every place that we could refer to as here is really a doorway to now. But there's also this strange sense of linearity in, in a way that uh, we go through a process of evolution. We learn, we grow, and then we go to another one. And it seems like there is some sort of a sequence to the experiences. How, how do you kind of pull all that together? How does that make sense to you? Well, it's, it's very natural, actually. And if you look at the Gaia, the, the living form just of the planet we're on, um, we're living right now in the year 2007. But there are life forms all around us that have been here for billions of years with us right now. Hmm. There are ancient cultures that have been around thousands of years before us still here now. Yes. Um, life forms, plants. In other words, it's looking right. It's looking you right in the eye the whole time. We're we're coexisting simultaneously, and uh, the linear part is only because we 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 have this uh, early perception of a past and a future. It's really an, an illusion that our teachers have been trying to teach us, and it would go into mass consciousness in the next paradigm. Animals, plants, bacteria are there. They've always been there. And uh, that includes everything from the, the Big Bang to this present moment and anything you might uh, call the future. The other interesting thing I learned is that, and this is fascinating for uh, people who want to use their consciousness in a dynamic way, and that is um, just as most people will believe that in the present moment you can change your mind, change your life, and go in any direction. Mm-hmm. You could change your mind today and become a doctor. Okay. You could become a painter. Okay. And so we, we really believe that what we do now in, in the present now changes our future, so to speak. But the truth is you can also change the past, and this the cat's out of the bag. The past is always changing. What we call the future is always changing, and it's always directly re- related to our now. Read the history books of over history. Uh, historians know this. History is always changing. It depends on who wins and writes the books. So history is always changing. You can go, into, you can go back into past lives and change them, and you should. Oh. You should do a bit of soul retrieval and retrieve every life that's been left in a negative or painful place and bring it into the present moment. Yes. That's a fascinating um, thing. I'd love to talk to more about that. Let's just tell everybody again. Um, this is KKUP Cupertino, 91.5 FM. My name's Tony McGettigan. I'm the host of Vibrational Voyage, which you can normally hear uh, on um, Tuesday nights at 11 p.m. And also I host with Josh uh, Discovery. But I have the great pleasure uh, of speaking with Melon Thomas Benedict, who's sharing with us his experiences of going to the light, literally dying from malignant brain cancer, and then coming back. And he was just sharing his perspectives on uh, on how the eternal uh, it really is everything and how we're connected with it. Let's tell, tell everybody your website again so they can find more information. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening who'd like to go to your website if they haven't known about it before. Go ahead and tell them. Okay, it's uh, www.mellen-thomas.com. Uh, Very good. Uh, are you doing okay right now? Do we need a little break, or are you you're fine right um, now? Uh, I, I, we'll need a break in a little bit. All right. Um, if we break near the top of the hour, would that would that be okay with with you guys? Okay. That sounds good. We'll take a little break right at the top. If you just joined us, uh, I think you may find this fascinating. And we will be archiving uh, this show. You, I'm sure you'll be able to find it at uh, Mellon's website, mellon-thomas.com. That's M E L L E N 
nc-rising-thomas.com. And I'll also have it on my website, uh, which is ncrising.com, short for New Consciousness Rising. Dot com, ncrising.com. Um, we were just about to talk about, about how you can heal and work on the past. It's fascinating. Um, and some of the experiences that I've, I've had myself and some of the things I've observed when I hear other people talk, it seems like some of the, th- the things that they do, uh, just like what you're saying, that there are healing experiences that we can go through that actually tap into and touch on the past and not just to understand it, but actually to heal it. You just express that. To me, this is absolutely fascinating because it seems so often, and maybe I guess it's just an old paradigm idea, that we're, that we're dictated by the past or we're captive or you know, slaves to what has come before and whatever trauma exists within us. And we're just starting to get a sense of, of you know, that we can be free of our trauma. Your message here is amazing that we can actually not only be free of it, heal it, but we can transform it and affect the past, that it's a living dynamic thing. Absolutely. Please, please tell us anything you'd care to share about that. It's, um, um, the, the, the interesting thing is, is that you shouldn't leave any part of yourself in pain or lost. And uh, certain books like A Soul Retrieval and others can give you very good techniques to do this. I've been through the process myself. Uh, I have done um, uh, hypnotic past life regression for many years, and uh, with others and myself, I, I found it a very good medium to uh, help heal people. Um, there, there, you should you should bring everything into the present, and uh, so if you go into a past life and it's been painful or traumatic, go rescue that self. That self will recognize you, um, and that you can bring that self into the safe harbor of the present with you. Mm. And once you once you've done this work uh, a while, it's, it doesn't take long for some people. For some people, it could take years, depending on how you process. But once you've done that, you become uh, whole again. And we're all uh, because of our incarnational experiences and because of everything that's happened. We've by this time in uh, what we call history, we've become rather fragmented. And uh, it, it's amazing that when you do uh, past life regression or soul retrieval, you peel the onion. And you'll find out that. Most of the stuff you're carrying around is not even your stuff. It's mm. baggage you picked out somewhere else from the family stories, from books you've read. Mm-hmm. But to get down to the pearl uh, essence of your soul and to discover the, the essence of your soul and then to make that whole again, mm-hmm. uh, never leave a part of yourself stranded anywhere in the past or the future or the, or the uh, present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. It's interactive. You can, there's so much you can do once you get over the fear of death or the fear of being disconnected, which will never happen. You will never experience experience death and you'll never be disconnected so it behooves you to go ahead and get a handle on it <laughs> sooner the better it, it's just an absolutely uh, a fascinating thing to hear you talk about and yet I'm, I'm always in awe uh, when I see about how the level of general awareness about such things has, has been on the rise um, uh, what you share is, is revelatory it's highly resonant with, um, for instance, we've been getting information from hypnotherapists and and uh, and people who work as mediums and so forth, uh, who 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 say you know identical things to what you're mm-hmm. describing, and we have indigenous cultures, some of whom have just you know struggled to survive and maintain their wisdom, and that stuff's coming out to us, and it echoes the same thing, and the level of awareness that we have in our current experience uh, seems to be 
very high, very uh, expansive and increasing in its momentum as far as this awareness of how we're connected to so much more and we can work with it. Um, the, 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 the question that I, that I have is that uh, uh, you use the word old paradigm and, and new paradigm. Um, you see, I'm sure you see that our understanding of, of how all these things work and how all these things are connected is very much a part of that. For such a long time, we were lost without any sense of direction with respect to our own lives and, and uh, how to straighten things out. Now that's that's starting to change, and it, and it has been, and it's gaining momentum. So I'm wondering also what you see about um, that momentum, uh, that, that building momentum towards a much greater understanding, a much greater functionality, much greater health uh, for individuals and also humanity as a whole. Absolutely. Uh, we're living, uh, and, and forgive me if this rubs some people wrong, but we're living in some of the best times ever in history at this time, no matter what the media is showing you, because they're usually not showing you the truth, and that's the truth. But uh, we're living in some of the best times in history, and uh, the critical mass of consciousness is building exponentially. Uh, the advent of the world um, Internet is the global brain network hooking up. Uh, people are being exposed to ideas and philosophies and things they would never have been exposed to a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. So the paradigms have been breaking right and left all around us, and that leaves a lot of people confused. That's why some people fall into fundamentalism, because fundamentalism is sort of like a group soul. It's better to be, I want to be told what to do, and, and I'll be okay. But um, the real push is towards self-initiation. Hmm. That is the, the only government that's ever really going to work, which is the future government, is self-government. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that is, that is happening more and more. And it has to start, self-government has to start with your health, your own body health. That's where self-government starts. Uh, if you look inside your body and look at your blood cells and inside your cells, you see the most primitive life forms on Earth are still here in you, hmm. making all of you. Hmm. It's an amazing uh, uh, conglomeration, association, and union of so many life forms going in, your, beating in your body right now. It's astounding. Um, but, and you look at the, you look at the um, general immune system, which is very wise. It's called the second brain in the body. The immune system is millions of years of evolution. It is an incredibly wise system, if not, you know, uh, 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 scan, uh, skewed by, like, toxic accidents or toxic lifestyle. Um, but your immune system is an incredible organization and uh, an incredible um, example of self-government. And it doesn't need the president to tell it what to do. It doesn't need anything to blame. Okay. And what's interesting is, is that your biology cannot lie. Your cells cannot lie. The, the, your mind, your eyes, and your ears can be deluded, deceiving, and can lie. But the biology is the most true thing about you. That's why the cells in your heart are more ancient than the cells in your brain, infinitely more ancient than the cells in your brain. The, um, the uh, circulatory system and nervous system are the first things to evolve. You don't need a brain if you don't have those. Mm. Um, so these systems evolved millions and millions of years before the brain ever evolved, mm -hmm. and certainly before the upper brain mm -hmm. evolved. And so if, if you compare the systems of the wisdom of the human immune system, and it's so incredibly wise and deals with so much every day, uh, then you compare systems uh, designed by the mind a legal system, the monetary system, they still need a lot of work, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> but they've only had less than maybe 10,000 years of evolution, the monetary systems and, and right. the systems of the mind. 
What's interesting is is that in the in the ancient times, um, uh, spirituality was involved directly with nature. Hmm. What you see in the modern times is that uh, everyone believes in these books, the Bible, the, the Quran, mm-hmm. and though that that is a symbol that this, these are mind religions. They're religions of the mind, yes. not of the body, yes. and um, have in many cases forgotten and left out so much. The, the human mind is so young. It's like the precocious little child that hasn't asked yet, where, where did my mother have to do with this? You know, there's a time in your child when you think you're, you are the center of the universe, in fact, and yes. you don't care about anything else but you. Yes. We're, we're still at that stage in our, our evolution. We haven't matured as a species yet, and uh, that's why people shouldn't let the brain rule the world. It's a child. You're letting the child ruin the, uh, rule the world. Haven't you ever sometimes heard parents say to their children, please shut up, I can't hear myself thinking? Yeah. Well, that's what your brain does to you. Yeah. It, and it's so precocious, it looks out at the universe and says, oh, I created all this. Uh-huh. Yes. The, the mind thinks it created the universe, which is not true at all. Well, and I've heard the uh, statement as well that <clears throat> we're in a stage of, of evolution where we are making a leap to uh, a much larger awareness. But because we're so new to it, we are exactly like that. We are as children to this process. And so uh, we're, uh, we're kind of at a loss. We're trying to get our feet beneath us and get our bearings uh, in, in this whole thing. There's some, there's some real good news to that, though. Go, yeah. At this time in history, um, as no other time before in history, there's more healing going on, mm. more healers, more therapists more shamans than ever before in the history of the world right when we need them. That's, Isn't that yeah, interesting? That, that absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, th- touching on something that you were just referring to, um, just a few years ago, I, I had the great good pleasure to interview a man uh, named Joseph Chilton Pierce who wrote a book years ago called uh, Crack in the Cosmic mm-hmm. Egg. And uh, he had also written another one uh, that was fairly recent then, about 2003, 2002, called The Biology of Transcendence, I believe it was. And he was talking about um, a very new field in medicine, which is called, um, if I get it, get it correctly, uh, cardiac neurology. Mm-hmm. And they had discovered at that point, um, when he was writing this book, that 40% of the mass of uh, the human heart is neurons. And this is something that was kind of a a huge revelation. Um, And then, of course, we came to understand um, um, uh, energetically, too, that the source of the greatest, largest, most powerful field in the human body is the heart. Mm -hmm. And that when the heart is in charge, I mean, uh, this is something that's kind of come also out of indigenous wisdom and different spiritual traditions, that when the heart rules and when the heart is in charge then the brain kind of can has something to follow and all that all that horsepower that we've got in our neocortex can actually work in a in a way that that makes sense it's got something to follow and of course the things that we think about and directions that we take change and we're following something which is which has a a more natural cohesiveness to it Mm -hmm. um so I'm wondering if you've had any reflections on that. I'm sure in your own experience there must be more that, that you might reflect about how the how that uh, that focus of energy is really at the, at the center of our being in our hearts, mm-hmm. um, and and the benefit of paying attention to that, and perhaps mm-hmm. some things for how we can best pay attention to that. That's fascinating because the the her, the uh, heart's electromagnetic field uh, mimics and looks just like the Earth's electromagnetic yes. field yes. of which we come from. Um, so, and your and like I said earlier, the cells in your heart are infinitely more ancient than the cells in your brain. Yeah. 
Uh, so there is great wisdom in the heart. Uh, the the mind religions, all the religions that believe you should fight and kill over a book, basically, mm-hmm. have uh, left that part out because um, that's what the, that's what a young mind does. It yeah. separates itself from the whole by thinking it's the center of the universe. So the mind, what I call the mind religions, uh, the religions that you know, uh, th- this is the book of books, and there's nothing ever going to be newer or since. And why isn't there a new Bible? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always wondering. Well, there must be like version two or something. <laughs> um, but uh, um, the the uh, the heart's electromagnetic field can be tapped and used in magnificent ways. Uh, some of the ways I was shown on the other side that I actually do in my workshops. Uh, there's a way to use your heart's uh, electromagnetic field in a state of prayer in a in a certain scalar position to turn yourself into what I call the universal transformer. Because imagine, just as one example of what you can do with this field, psychics uh, say they see auras. Yes. Okay, Those are real emanations coming from the body. In fact, there's about 28 different wavelengths of energy leaving the human body at any time. Yes. You've ever seen yourself with a night scope? We glow in the dark, don't we? Yes, we do. So, uh, so it's not unusual that certain sensitive people would see these emanations. And there's information in all these emanations. There's, there's real information and energy yes. and consciousness, by the way. So imagine... Now think of looking. Now thinking of looking at auras. You're seeing someone's aura. What you're really seeing, besides some information about the person, what you're really seeing is light and life leaving you, like a light bulb. It's going. It's leaving Radiating. you all the time. And uh, if you do, if you use biophotonic cameras and other kinds of cameras, when you're low and been not fed or starved, you're your auric emanations are so weak, it's amazing. Mm. That's because um, uh, the energy has dropped in the body mm. to produce this, this life force uh, of all these energies that we call life. So imagine when you're seeing someone's aura, you're seeing energy leaving their body forever, like a light bulb. It's, it doesn't come back. Well, there's a certain technique I learned on the other side called the universal transformer, which uses your heart electromagnetic field to turn your aura into an electromagnetic field. So now you're recycling your energy. You're not losing it like you used to. Whoa. You know, uh, it's fascinating technique, and it really, it really helps you get energy, helps you stay healthy, huh. and helps you. Uh, once you've interfaced with your heart electromagnetic field, you automatically interface with the earth, the whole oh, earth. Oh yes. And now, if you're looping back your auric energies back through, yes. you can heal them. Yes. You can change them. You can change the frequency of them. Yes. And you can go to the center of the earth and affect the whole earth with your heart chakra. That that's fascinating. Um, a friend of mine who's also uh, on the other side of the hill, um, um, uh, he lives in Watsonville, and he teaches over here. Uh, Master Timothy Dunphy, he's a, I think a, a black belt Aikido, or maybe not Aikido, Taekwondo, I, I believe. I, I have the martial art maybe incorrect, but he in in his teaching, he kind of intuitively came to a, a description that sounds very, I mean, it sounds almost exactly the same, and he does a practice uh, and teaches other people exactly that, get a, get a sense of your own energy, get a sense of the earth energy and the way the field is, and then also with the sky or the, the galaxy, it's, it's got mm-hmm. the same field. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, and then they, then they do that to do, to do shamanic healing, and uh, I've participated in some of that and find it to be fascinating. Also, you know, very enlivening energetically. What's involved from your perspective in in actually getting the energy to 
to a flow in a way that's uh, revivifying and and you know what what's the key thing there well it's a, it's a technique i have to show people because it's difficult to describe on the radio okay. it's very difficult to describe but very easy to do but unless you see it yeah. you really you really don't get it okay um, also uh, i was allowed to bring back certain new vibrations and energy from the other side because when i was on the other side i i, I said can i bring anything back with me something tangible something real yeah. and i was giving some new frequencies and energies to bring back which i hand out freely to anybody. Mm. In fact, you want to try it right now, just Ouch. hold out your hand yeah. like that. Like this. This, was, this one's called Cool Blue, and you'll start feeling a little breeze in there. I, I certainly can. And maybe a little pressure. Yeah. And once I've given you this, this is grace beyond grace. This, you don't have to earn this. You can never pay I, for I it. I can feel it here, and too. And you'll start feeling it in your other hand. Now, take that hand and put them two together like this. Okay. You've created a scalar field now, like an infinity mirror. Yeah. Put that in front of your heart's electromagnetic field, and yeah. now your aura is looping, and you can feel it come right up your spine and go right through your crown chakra I, I, and loop back again. Isn't it interesting? I can I can definitely feel yeah. something moving. And once you once you've received this, it's not up to me. You can give it to anybody you want. Huh. Just ask them to receive. Um, you can pass it on to anyone you want. You'll never lose it. You never have to earn it. You can't pay for it. It's just free grace. Well, there, there's something, maybe it's exactly the same thing. On your website, I saw two different right. um, yeah. with, uh, <laughs> mandalas that, that are there yeah. on your site. And and I, I, I sat there and, and watched them, and I think you're one of them. You actually say, put your hand up Both to, the, them, to really. the screen. Both of them? You can put your hand right on the screen. That's my, I call it my worldwide radionic experiment. <laughs> I'm getting lots of lots of good feedback on that. Well, let's tell everybody where they can find that because they, they they might have a very similar experience to mm -hmm. what you just shared with me. Mm -hmm. uh, the website for Melon again is melon-thomas.com, and that's spelled M-E-L-L-E-N mm -hmm. dash Thomas T-H-O-M-A-S dot com. Mm -hmm. And I'll have links up on my website pretty soon um, for that. But it's uh, melon dash thomas dot com and you'll also be able to find an archive of this uh interview um uh on melon's site and also i'm sure i'll i'll put it up on my site and my site is ncrising.com uh we've got a couple of minutes left before the top of the hour uh so we'll take a break in just a couple of minutes but we're going to go all the way until just before three probably we've we've got almost a, another solid hour to uh talk about some things you brought more back from the other side as well. I'd love to hear some of the other frequencies, descriptions of some of the other frequencies. But mm -hmm. there's also a lot of of uh, devices that you have created or right. assisted in creating. Yes. Um, we should talk about some of that too. I wonder if there's anything you'd like to touch on just for these next few minutes and describe that you think is you know that gives you particular joy. Matt. Sure. Um, um, I, when I was on the other side, I, I wanted to be of some practical use in this world. I, I knew I was going to be giving a second chance. I knew many, for whatever reason, were not going to get a second chance in the same life. That's, that's between them and, and the light. Mm -hmm. um, there were many people probably more qualified and deserving than me, but I knew I could have the second chance if I wanted it. Mm -hmm. So I asked uh, um, if I could bring back practical information that could be used, nuts and bolts stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not a philosopher, and I believe uh, philosophy is easy and fun. You've got uh, a campfire and two humans, you've got philosophers. Yeah. It's, it's almost yeah. natural. Yeah. But philosophy has, in many cases, confused things rather than helped things in many cases. People fight over these philosophies, kill each Turns other. Turns into ideology. So um, 
I was I was uh, given the uh, gift of invention, and I've been tested uh, in double-blind studies to be able to invent on command on just about any given subject. Yeah. And uh, that's why I'm one of the most studied near-deathers in the world. I've taken part in more think tanks and experiments uh, than any other near-deather in history so far, because that's what I want to do. That's I want to do something practical for this world. The first thing I, I wanted to do was was uh, in, uh, give people the ability to heal themselves. Hmm. And I was shown on the other side that even if you're the best healer in the world, how many mm-hmm. people can you heal a day? Right, yeah, maybe pretty limited. Yeah, and how many people would, would have to go to Tibet or South America to even get this? Yeah. So I was shown that what people call mana, chi, siddhi, um, prana, is really electrons, which is the essence of the universe. Mm-hmm. So I was given uh, energy medicine inventions to bring back, which are patented and and more coming, which have been tested. Uh, Hopefully they'll be out on the market in the next year or so. Uh, But uh, a way to reintroduce chi into the human body in a a pure form, uh, which is sort of a biological wavelength of light that I use and invented. Mm -hmm. But it's really not even about the light. It's about electron transport. It's about feeding the body what it's trying to get in the first place, which is electrons. You live everything alive lives on electron transport at Mm. the end of the game Mm. after you've digested, processed, uh, and eliminated uh, energy. The human human being is not that great a processor. We, we, uh, about 98% of what you eat or drink goes out the other end, if you're lucky, if you're eliminating. So if you're not eliminating, you become toxic. And and then depending on what it is you're putting in your body, you can become toxic, like sodas and diet sodas are horrible for human beings and consciousness. But um, so I, I, uh, it took about seven years or so to get people to listen to me and then to get some funding for research. And uh, uh, by God, uh, everything I said was true and it worked the first time. Hmm. And so uh, you can, you can uh, these days get human beings to regenerate uh, at, at the rate of a young person. And so the limit of human life in the future is going to be sort of up to you. But it's not about how long you live. It's about the quality of life you live. Right. So I, I started out in wound healing and nerve regeneration and did all this exotic stuff. And then uh, in dental, uh, because the dental is the number one health problem, problem of human beings historically from day one. Even the mummies, you can see their abscessed teeth, and they, a lot of them died of abscesses because you become septic. Your, your teeth are the biggest poisoner of the human body. Huh. So it's very important to uh, invest in your teeth or to have them all pulled. That's what they do in Europe. Because uh, it doesn't disturb your meridians, and you will live a longer, healthier life if you have bad teeth that don't want to take care of them. Then they have just implants, or uh, well, there's great implants now. Sure, they're they're much better than they ever used to be. They're uh, fairly comfortable, but basically, take care of your teeth. Uh, it's the number one thing because you're constantly swallowing uh, yeah. this tons of bacteria. Yeah. Don't want to get too creepy for people. No, yeah, but. I tell people, whatever ignorance you have left, cherish it. You'll miss it when it's gone. I crossed, <laughs> I crossed the line years ago. <laughs> so, uh, but the dental is the number one health problem even to this day. Uh, it's uh, been found in the mummies all the way through. So uh, that will shorten your life and give you heart disease faster than anything else. Uh, directly related. And now you can go to your dentist's office and they have charts showing you which teeth affect different organs. This has been well proven. And you can even go to your vet's office and they'll have a chart. Your dog's teeth go to the kidney, this goes. And people have literally been in Europe been cured, and this is true, check it out, like the Paracelsus Clinic in Switzerland, uh, uh, they have pulled teeth and cured cancer. Wow. 
Um, so there's a direct relationship. Dental is, um, is just an incredibly important thing to pay attention to. You should never go to, to sleep with food in your mouth or in your throat. You should always rinse and swallow after eating anything. Brush if you can, but at least rinse and swallow. Mm. Keep your mouth and your teeth clean. Uh, gargle with uh, half peroxide and half water every time you brush or three times a day. It's really? phenomenal. You don't need all this expensive stuff. It doesn't work as well as this anyway. Uh, so dental hygiene is the number one thing you can do to keep your health together. That's amazing. So just the, just dental hygiene, like you just described, mm-hmm. have any of the other, uh, uh, like the uh, the electron-related um, um, uh, devices, does any of them work specifically, like, uh, to, to assist in... in and oh, is it overall health, or are there things specifically uh, for dental health? It can be specific, or, or I have full-body devices also um, wow. that uh, are like a battery charger for the human body. Uh, when we've spent a lot of time and effort uh, testing all these with, with legitimate laboratories, I used to use uh, kind of new age um, uh, uh, alternative me- medicine devices from Europe, but w- I always got into a fight with the doctors because I had to prove their devices were correct, so I stopped doing that many years ago. Yeah. Uh, any tests that I've done are strictly by uh, American labs. Any doctor would understand these tests totally mainstream because I, my argument's not in the diagnostic equipment. It's in proving that uh, uh, my technology works and works quickly. Very good. Well, you are listening to KKUP Cupertino 91.5 FM.